Orphan Sunday began back in 2002 over in Africa. There was a visitor from America who was at a church in the nation of Zambia. And as this visitor was at this church, he was very impressed by what he saw there that day. Because the pastor of that church on that particular day was talking with his congregation about the importance of caring for orphans right there in their community. Or these orphans weren't just on the other side of the world or weren't some abstract idea just somewhere else. They were right there in their community because that community had been ravaged by AIDS and by poverty. And there were orphans right there who needed their help. And so at the end of the service, after the pastor called this congregation to care for the orphans, people came forward, one after another, after another, another, bringing up money and bringing up food and other donations to give to the orphans. Some were even taking the shoes off their own feet to give to the orphans. And this, this visitor from America was so impressed by what he saw that he thought, you know what, what if we start doing this other places as well? And so he started to work with other churches throughout Zambia in order to help them have Orphan Sundays as well, to, to really care for the orphans right in their midst in practical ways. And then in 2003, these efforts for Orphan Sunday expanded over here into the United States. You fast forward 14 years later, 2017, there are thousands of churches around this nation and around the world who celebrate Orphan Sunday on the second Sunday of each November. Now, as I watch this video, and I've seen it quite a few times over the last couple of weeks, I enjoy just kind of watching it and visualizing, okay, what are we going to do for this service? One of the things that struck me was how God has worked through Orphan Sunday to really be a catalyst in helping individuals and churches care for orphans and maybe even mobilizing some of them to adopt. And that is very, very encouraging that Orphan Sunday can start something like that. But I thought then about Freedom's Church and how for us, our heritage of adoption and orphan care goes back much further. In fact, it goes back to the 1960s. Because in the 1960s, Freedom's has a pastor called uh, Pastor Showalter, and he and his wife adopted two Native American boys. And this was the 1960s before adoption, especially transracial adoption, became a popular thing to do. But that was a start, as far as we know, to that heritage of adoption and orphan care here at Freedon's Church. In the 1970s, there was a Freedon's couple named Ed and Lila Cohn who began fostering children. Over the course of uh, the early 70s, they provided foster care for 44 children and ended up adopting two of them. And Ed is still an active part of Freedon's Church today. In the 1980s, 1990s, and into the 2000s, many more families were, were getting involved here at Freedom's Church with adoption and with foster care. For instance, Pastor Mark Vol and, and Sue Vol, they came here to Freedom's Church and they adopted two children. I think as well of Ed and Lila's daughter and son-in-law, Gary and Lytha Miller, who provided foster care for over 100 children. And they adopted two of them as well. And this, there are many other families who, who provide foster care and adoption as well. And so this culture spread uh, through these decades. And then fast forward to 2009. That was the beginning of my time here at Freedom's Church. Shelley and I came to Freedom's in 2009. And we came already knowing that we were planning to soon start the adoption process from Ethiopia. What we needed was a solid, stable address and a stable income. But we knew that we were going to start the adoption process. And then, you know what? We fit right in 
to the culture that was already here at Freedens. In 2010, we started the Forever Families Ministry. And it started as a fundraising venture to help uh, adoptive families in the area help fund their adoptions. In 2011, then, Forever Families expanded its scope to include a workshop called Adoption 101. Adoption 101 then later morphed into what we now have, which is Adoption Connection, which is an annual event each June. But Adoption 101 started out with very humble beginnings. Because I, I did some quick calculations this morning as I was speaking, and I realized we had as many presenters there as we had individuals from outside of Freedom's Church. We had four presenters, and we had two couples at that first one from outside of Freedom's Church. But God was at work. One of those couples, their name is Paul and Tabitha Sargent, they went on uh, to adopt three children of their own since then. On top of that, God worked through that Adoption 101 event to really open their eyes to the gospel. And they have since come to faith in Jesus with God using Adoption 101 as a major seed in, in their faith of, of turning them to Christ. In fact, just this last week, Tabitha on Facebook shared a memory of when they were here just three years ago for Orphan Sunday sharing about their story. And Tabitha, um, she shared that post from three years ago, and then she wrote this. She wrote, this was Orphan Sunday three years ago. November is adoption month. Freedom's Church in Port Washington has the biggest heart for adoption. I just think, you know what, that really warmed my heart when I, when I heard that as well. And it's a neat culture to be a part of. And over the years, God has, has been bringing more and more families into the church with his heart for adoption and orphan care. Uh, Forever Families has been expanding in its scope and in its influence. And 2017 has been our biggest year yet with Forever Families. The Adoption Connection event in June had 125 people there. A lot of growth from the four from outside the church the first year. And I think of how now there are three ongoing support groups for adoptive parents that are run through Forever Families. For Super Saturday, which is our big fundraising event in September, we, we broke a record with 24 sponsors who gave financially to help what, uh, what Forever Families is doing. The bake sale raised $1,600, which is kind of crazy for bake sale. The, the Kids Warrior Fun Course was a huge hit this year. And that was on top of, of the typical run-walk, on top of the silent auction that we typically have. And so since 2010, Forever Families has raised $125,000 to go to adoption grants and orphan care. And along the way, coming back to Orphan Sunday, along the way, Orphan Sunday has, has been a, a great way to help cement that value for adoption and orphan care into our church's culture. Now today, we have um, uh, some special guests with us from an organization called Gift of Adoption. And uh, Gift of Adoption is actually America's largest grant agency for adoptions of its kind. Um, and, and in the last 21 years, they have distributed $6.3 million in adoption grants to help support the adoption of 2,200 children. And to me, I mean, it's just very encouraging, very impressive. And um, I recognize there is some overlap between what Gift of Adoption is doing and what Forever Families is doing. But we are not competitors by any means. There is a great need out there, and we have a very similar heart in meeting that need 
And so we, we are celebrating what each of these organizations is doing in helping meet the need of orphans and help uh, adoptive families bring children into their families. And for Shelley and I, we became acquainted with Gift of Adoption when we were going through our adoption processes for our children. We actually applied for and received grants from Gift of Adoption for both of our adoptions. And since then, um, I have actually, Shelley and I together, and I specifically have spoken at, at four different fundraising events for Gift of Adoption in Milwaukee and in Chicago. And then last December, I was on the Charlie Sykes radio show along with the CEO of Gift of Adoption. And so Shelley and I have a, a pretty significant history of partnering with them. I think it's important to recognize gift of adoption representatives are not here to try to solicit donations this morning. Instead, we are here uh, just to celebrate together Orphan Sunday. And also, they're going to help us to understand the realities that are going on in the world right now related to orphans and to adoption. And so with that in mind, I'd now like to invite up three different people. I'd like to invite up John T. Van, Nancy Carmody, and Jeff Kriegel. Uh, first of all, John, as they come up, uh, John uh, is currently the president of the Wisconsin Chapter Board for Gift of Adoption. And uh, prior to retirement, he just retired just a handful of months ago, uh, where he was an executive in the healthcare industry. But on top of that, he has been a leader on a couple different organizations that are related to adoption and foster care. And he has personal experience in adoption as well because he is the father of two adopted uh, grown sons. So uh, we'll get to who these others are up here in a few minutes, but I want to thank each one of you for being here this morning. Uh, John, we're going to start with you. Uh, just, I mean, we recognize there's this idea of the global orphan crisis, which is uh, a big reason behind Orphan Sunday and why all of us are doing what we're doing in, in terms of orphan care and adoption and stuff like that. But can you just help put into perspective what is this global orphan crisis that's going on right now? Sure. Well, I'm glad to be here to share this with you. It'll be a, a little bit heavy on statistics, but it'll give you an idea of just the uh, startling issue we face with international adoptions. Uh, certainly uh, global implies and includes the United States as well, but the focus is primarily on international and the scope of uh, what kids are facing these days. Um, I'm also very glad to be here. We are a mission-driven organization as well uh, with a big heart uh, like you all, and um, uh, we have one purpose, uh, thousands of voices, uh, and uh, the same um, goal of putting forever families together. So it's a perfect combination. Um, so um, I, I did some research. I'm, I'm operating a little bit on uh, jet lag. I apologize for that. So I, I wrote a few notes down. He was in Hawaii last week and came back yesterday. So pretty <laughs> and, rough. But... And I do not feel bad about <laughs> So uh, depending on who you uh, research with, I chose UNICEF and Save the Children. There's upwards of 150 million children uh, considered orphans. They can be parentless or in parented homes, one or two, and it's the way they are treated as well as their legal status that defines them as orphans. 12% of them are um, impacted by HIV AIDS. That is, they either have it or they're, they're infected or affected by that. It's still a reality. Um, in all countries, but primarily in some of the th developing countries. 
Two to eight million of those kids are in institutions. Uh, I would put that in some countries in quote marks uh, because some of the institutions um, don't deserve even that title. Their hearts may be in it, but the reality is quite different. Foster care systems around the world are not as well developed as the U.S. Uh, Korea and a few other countries are, are doing their best. Here in the state, we have about 7,500 kids in the foster care system. So if you're not on a path or you don't have the means or whatever for adoption, foster care is a good place to begin and end because there's a great need out there. Um, there are a lot of reasons for adoption as you can, or for orphans, war, conflict, poverty, um, the mom dies, HIV, AIDS, and so forth. Uh, most of the orphans are uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. There's also a big uh, situation or crisis in southern Asia, and about 10% come from Western or developed countries. Um, there are options for, far, uh, for orphan care. One of them is uh, preserving the family with support from the community. Another is if the family breaks up, reuniting that family back together. Uh, they can be placed with close relatives, which, which isn't always the culture of a particular country. Once they're orphaned, they're somehow cast off, not to be brought into the extended family. And uh, adoption, of course. So um, there are many obstacles to adoption. I, you know, if, if you've been in it, you know it. Uh, if you're not in it, don't let that stop you. If you've got what it takes, um, you can overcome these. But some of them are poor relations with, uh, between countries. They're poor relations with the U.S. Russia was and still is a good example of that. Um, some countries refer to or consider adoption as national genocide, pulling kids out of those countries to go live in the U.S. and other Western countries is considered um, not in their best interest. Some countries are closed due to unethical procedures. There were situations like that in Guatemala some years ago. I think that's gotten a little bit better. Wage and weight formula, if you haven't heard of that, they take a look at the adoptive parents, add the age, add the weights, and if it exceeds a certain amount, you're not a candidate for adoption. Um, regulatory changes and all that, and probably the hugest, the hugest, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> There's jet lag. The biggest obstacle sometimes can be the cost. Uh, I know Pastor's going to get into that a little bit more, but they run for international adoptions these days between twenty-five and forty-five thousand uh, dollars. If you're doing a domestic adoption, you can scale that back, maybe ten or fifteen thousand at the high end. Um, other factors, and that would be um, well. There's a thing called the Hague Convention. Uh, sounds like a great thing, and for the most part it is. That was a treaty signed by virtually all countries in the world that regulates the process of adoption. And um, what it did, unfortunately, was force out some of the smaller to medium-sized agencies, those that were more affordable, if you will. Uh, they uh, have to become accredited, so there are some unique uh, hurdles associated with that. And lastly, time frame. Uh, very few cases under a year, although it does occur, but the average is about two years. Uh, so it's lengthy, it's costly, there are obstacles, but the rewards are phenomenal and enormous. Um, 
as we can testify, we three, <laughs> four, all, so many of you can testify too, so. So, I mean, there's, it's staggering to consider that huge need out there. And I feel like, you know, great things are happening through Forever Families, great things are happening through Gifts of Adoption. We're just barely scratching the surface, yet at the same time, making a significant difference. And Gifts of Adoption um, is, is a major player in helping um, families adopt children. Can you share a little bit more about just the background, history, uh, current purpose of, of Gift of Adoption? Well, I can, but I feel uh, in the shadow of Jeff, who was uh, president of Gift of Adoption for a few years uh, before me, but I'll give it a shot and then leave some obvious gaps for Jeff to fill in if he'd like. Uh, it was started by a couple by the name of Gene and Lucy Wyka. Uh, they were from the Grafton area uh, when they got the bug, got the urge, got the heart, got the uh, opportunity uh, to go to Peru to adopt their son, who they named... Uh, Smiling Joseph. Uh, they were down there, and um, all H broke out, apparently, economically, militarily, um, um, so that they had to take their son out of Peru and come back to the U.S. in somewhat of a hurry, as I understand, leaving behind families who were still in the process waiting to adopt from that country. When they got back, they realized that some of the obstacles that they faced from a financial standpoint could be met by them and their friends. So they started Gift of Adoption back in 1996. Uh, and with the help of their friends and family, put dollars together uh, to make those last dollars uh, come about for families to close the gap at the end and join a family in a forever family. Uh, soon, the demand and the grants outstripped uh, their ability to open their wallet and their friends' wallets. So they created a 501c3 company back in uh, 2001, uh, and it took off from there. Uh, we moved, or Gift of Adoption National moved to the Chicago suburbs. Back in the mid-2000s, we think about 2005, 2006, I'm a little shy, there's a gap for you. Um, and we have just five and a half employees uh, who do the work of about 20. Uh, there are thousands of volunteers at the chapter level. Wisconsin is the founding chapter of the 20 that exist now. We have two emerging. Uh, New York uh, launched last Thursday. Uh, I opted for Hawaii and not New York for lots of obvious reasons. Um, but Pam was there and a lot of good folks from the New York City area. We have volunteer boards with thousands of volunteers doing the good work which, Jeff, I'm sure there's another gap for you. Uh, as uh, Pastor indicated, we've uh, assisted with 2,200 adoptions to the tune of 6.3 million. We have a goal here in Wisconsin for 2018 of $80,000 um, because grants these days can average between 1,500 at the national level is where the giving um, of the grant committee meets. 1500 to 7500 roughly, with the average being about $3,500. So every dollar we collect at the state chapter level stays in Wisconsin for Wisconsin grants. So our, our total job in, uh, in our chapter is to raise money, and this is not a pitch for it. Check our Facebook if you want to see what we're planning in the way of activities, and join us if you can. Some fun things coming up. So we've got a busy year ahead. It's my, 
I may think I'm in my fifth, fourth month. It feels still, um, but I hope I fill these great shoes and, uh, and uh, do some good things for Gift of Adoption with lots of help. Mm -hmm. Well, Gift of Adoption is really, I'm doing a lot of great things. I mean, even my family, two different times for both of our adoptions. Um, it's definitely helped us out a lot. I think one of the really cool things about Gift of Adoption is how it has history right here in this area. I mean, the Wykas, they started, they live in Grafton, uh, started the organization in Grafton, which is now the largest grant agency in the nation of its type. Um, and then, you may not know, but they actually had their, their office here in Port Washington for a while, just right across the street from the Blue Heron. Um, and Nancy Carmody, some of you probably recognize her because she's a part of Freedom's Church here. You may not know, though, that she worked for Gift of Adoption when their office was here in Port Washington. So, Nancy... You had the privilege of being able to, to interact with a lot of families as they're going through the adoption process and receiving grants. And can you share with us what it was like? Um, what were the family's responses when they heard that they received a grant? Thanks for having me, Brandon. It's been a long time ago, probably more than 10 years. But those were good memories that I had interacting with the families that got to receive grants and the families that unfortunately we were not able to give grants to. Um, I could kind of put an intimate face on it because I, I called to them and talked to them on the phone and I handled their files and when they had um, something missing I had to talk to them. One family still sends me a Christmas card every year. Um, it's just, a, it's a joy. They adopted four from the Ukraine. And they, too, um, she often shares with me the struggles that they have. But when I was um, allowed to be the one to call to say that someone had received a grant, there was, of course, great joy to begin with. Oh, it's like winning the lottery, some of them would say, because they knew at the time that not everyone got grant money. And the second one was they were so thankful, so thankful that they could finally see an possible end to the journey because this is end monies. They've probably tapped out almost all of their savings to make this um, adoption come, come to reality. And thirdly, um, they, um, they just are, they're rejoicing. They're, they're grateful and they're just so happy. And it's great to be on the other end of the phone when you get to tell that news. <laughs> and I mean, I, up to this point, I've been the spokesperson for Forever Families in terms of alerting families when they receive a grant. And I mean, those are some of the most fun emails to send. And then to see their response when they come back, just again, that joy, because it, it makes a world of difference. Because, I mean, you, the grants, sometimes, I mean, it's one or two months of salary, perhaps, that is going to help fund the adoption. So it really does make a difference. Uh, Jeff Kriegel is here with us. Uh, Jeff, he's wearing a Forever Family shirt. The Kriegel family has been faithful participants in Forever Family Super Saturday the last few years. Um, Jeff also uh, is an adoptive parent and uh, is on the board for the Wisconsin chapter of Gift of Adoption. In fact, he was the president of the board until this last July when John took over. Uh, your family has journeyed deeply into the world of adoption from several different angles. Can you share with us a little bit about what that's been like? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for giving me the, uh, the, the, the really true and fun part of the agenda here, because I get to tell you a little bit about 
just the, the deep emotional and impactful part of the adoption process. You know, my, my own personal adoption process began maybe 13 or 14 years ago when I started on the board of Gift of Adoption, but it, it became real, really real in 2014 when my wife Deb and I uh, decided after having five biological children to step into adoption ourselves and we went to China and adopted our son Kai and earlier this year, we traveled to Colombia and ad adopted three siblings, Veronica, Juan, and Santiago, and have been, um, have been loving life ever since then. Um, so our, our adoption journey has been long. It's, it's gone down a lot of different paths, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, there's a lot in front of us. But I, I thought as I was kind of planning on what to, what to share with all of you, there's a couple of things that I thought were um, interesting and potentially impactful. Um, particularly in how eye-opening the adoption process is, and eye-opening from so many perspectives. One perspective that we didn't really expect was just how amazingly impactful the foster care system can be. All four of our kids uh, that we adopted were in foster families before we went to pick them up, and, uh, and it was obvious the impact that that made on them. Kai, in particular, when we went to China, uh, when we went to the city that he was in to get him in particular, we traveled with one other family, and they were adopting a boy just about the same age as Kai, and um, this other boy, Gavin, he was in a, an orphanage um, for the two years before he was being adopted. Our son, Kai, thankfully, was in a loving foster family, and the difference between the two when, when they came to our family is just amazingly stark. Kai, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a fun kid. But he was like that right from the start, just open and fun and engaging and loving and affectionate. Gavin, on the other hand, you, you could see the impact that an orphanage can have on a boy. He uh, lacked any kind of affect at all, um, was not interested in playing, was not interested in being affectionate. You could throw the ball to him, and he'd watch it hit his chest and roll away, and he'd look back up at you without, without even flinching, without even moving. And we've seen pictures and videos of him in the three years since we've adopted. And we've seen him come out of his shell. And, and it, it, it's amazing what that adoption has meant for him. But it, it really brings to light just how fortunate Kai was to be in a foster family. And so if anybody here is fostering now or thinking about fostering, I, I can't overstate the impact that you're going to make on the life of a child going through that process. Um, May I share one other aspect, and uh, we, we can move on, but one other place where adoption has been eye-opening and particularly heart-opening for us has been just watching the process that the children go through as they're being adopted and as they're coming into our family. And we saw this particularly this year when we were in Colombia and, and bringing our kids home. They, they came with two big, distinct sets of emotions. On the one hand, you've got fear and trepidation of, what am I getting into, right? These people look different. They smell different. They talk different. They eat different foods. Everything's different. And, and, and what is this going to mean for me? Are they going to love me? What, what is my life going to be like? This is, this is a big deal, right? And so they've got all that that they're trying to deal with. But on the other side, you, you can also see this great hope that they have. Um, they want stability. They want permanency. They want love. They want parents to tuck them in at night and to... To embrace them, and they want someone to call mom and dad. And to be able to watch the process, to watch the fear melt away 
and give way to the hope and the, and the love. It's just amazing. You know, my wife and I talk, and just, I, I have no idea what it's like to go through that process as a child and how, how scary it must be just to be placed in the care of people that you've never met before. Um, but, you know, if I can relate it to anything, um, it, it's like a, a, a Christian coming to Christ for the first time, right? It's, it's giving up on that, that old world, the fear of hanging on to that old world and the cost of giving it up, but for the hope of the, the peace and love that, that Christ offers, and you make that transition seeking that out. And so it's just an amazing process for us to go through and to see that fear melt away to that hope of, of love and peace. Well, yeah, I mean... It- is an amazing thing, and I appreciate the parallel you make with that walk with God, too, because, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later in the service about just what it's like to be adopted into God's family. You know, there are challenges in adopting children. There are challenges in coming into God's family as well in terms of just growing to trust Him as a loving Father. Um, I just want to thank you each for being willing to share here. Um, encourage you, I mean, if anyone has any questions or wants to talk further with them, uh, feel free to, to pull them aside after the service and, and talk with them. I'm sure they could fill your ears with many, many more great, inspiring stories. So thank you each for all you do for adoption and orphan care and for sharing with us this morning. Thanks so for thank you. So one of the things I'm thinking about here is that, you know, adoption is obviously a great thing. But also there's the reality that 99% of the orphans worldwide will never be adopted. And here at Freedom's Church, we feel a burden and a call from God to meet needs that they have as well. And so one of the things that Forever Families does is partner with four different orphan care organizations around the world in order to care for the orphans or or even at some of these organizations work with families to help prevent more children from becoming orphans. And so we want to give an opportunity this morning, kind of like that that church in Zambia that launched Orphan Sunday, we want to give an opportunity for you that if you would like to make a special contribution to orphan care ministries that doesn't just support adoption, but it actually goes directly to one of these four ministries up on the screen right now, you have an opportunity to do that this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have opened the way for us to come confidently into the arms of our Heavenly Father, that we don't have to remain as orphans, spiritually speaking, that we can have a Heavenly Father. What a privilege that is. And I pray that over the next couple of minutes as we open the Scripture and see your heart for orphan care and for adoption, that you will then motivate us to run into your arms more faithfully, but then also to live out your heart in the world around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you have Bibles, I would like to invite you to turn in them to Psalm 68. I just want to spend a few minutes as we close out our service today reflecting on the ultimate motivation for why we ought to care for orphans and adoption. Now, one of the motivations should obviously be compassion because we see the great need around us. I mean, when you think of 150 million orphans worldwide, that is staggering. But there's also a deeper motivation as well that comes from Scripture. I invite you to follow along as I read Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. 
Now, this was just a verse and a half that I read. The entire psalm is 35 verses long. If you were to read the entire thing, you would see that the entire psalm is declaring God's greatness. This psalm speaks of God in very powerful terms, talking about him as a righteous judge, as a conquering king, as the glorious ruler from heaven. But also on top of these very powerful terms, it refers to God as a compassionate father, as a defender of the vulnerable. Now this passage was written about 3,000 years ago. And back then there were two categories of people in that society who were especially vulnerable. And they were the widows and the orphans. You see that society was a very patriarchal society, meaning that men basically ran the show. It was men who had the power in society and men who held the purse strings. And if you do not have a responsible man in your household watching over things and bringing in the money for, to support the family, you were then in a very precarious position. And that was the position that orphans and widows found themselves in because for orphans and widows, they would have a very limited opportunity to make money to support themselves. If someone tried to take advantage of them, which was very common, they wouldn't have anyone to defend them. And on top of that, even if they wanted to speak up and try to create change, they really didn't have much of a voice in that society. Now, Israel did have laws that, that tried to create regulations that would help vulnerable people like orphans and widows. But in reality, very frequently, orphans and widows were just kind of cast aside. People kind of ignored them, and they were left to fend for themselves. And so as a result, in that society, orphans and widows frequently were reduced to begging, to slavery, and to prostitution. And many of these same dynamics still hold true for orphans in our world today. Let me show you a picture of some real orphans. These, these are children who are orphans right now that are ready to be adopted if families step up to adopt them. If you want to read their stories and the stories of thousands more like them, simply go to rainbowkids.com and you could read stories of orphans just like these. They're, they're normal kids. They just don't have a family who is caring for them. And that makes them very vulnerable. Now, many of them do live in an orphanage setting. And orphanages do provide a degree of care. But even I think of my son, Micaiah, and in the orphanage that he was in, there were children in the cribs right next to him literally dying of starvation. And if not for the urgent intervention of a visiting social worker to his orphanage, Micaiah may very well have become one of those. Starvation is a very real issue for orphans. I think as well how an orphanage is uh, just abuse, even among the children to one another, is rampant. On top of this, when resources and attention are very limited, it becomes a very doggy dog world in that type of setting. And so it doesn't really set children up for success later in life. And as children get older, they age out of the orphanage if they are not adopted, usually sometime during the teenage years. And then they are cast out on the street. And what do you think happens to these children who've grown up in institutional care? What do you think happens then when they're just thrown out on the street? Do you think they get killed? That could happen. They end up begging, stealing. They join gangs, prostitution. These are realities that are going on all around the world right now 
Even here in the United States, there's a great need. There are some, uh, pretty much a half million kids in the American foster care system who are ready to be adopted right now. And there are many more children in the U.S. foster care system who need temporary foster homes. And, and I mean, Jeff provided a great illustration of the value of foster homes, even here in America. Now, we do have to recognize that caring for the needy is not easy. I, I want to make sure that we do not overly romanticize adoption because adoption can be challenging, not just a part of the process of bringing them into your home, but parenting adopted children can be incredibly intense and difficult. So it's not an easy road to go, but we do see God's heart here in this passage that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And he calls us to take up that cause as well. Now, one of the ways God calls us to take up that cause of the orphan is through, uh, through being his hands and feet in this world. God is a father to the fatherless through his people. Look at verse 6 here in Psalm 68. God sets the lonely in families. Now, whether you look at the early church or whether you look at the world today, Christians are really the leaders in orphan care and in adoption around the world. Christians have really stepped up to this call in big ways. It's very, very encouraging. And it's encouraging even to think about what's going on around the world right now, not only in terms of adoption, but also these orphan care ministries. I just want to highlight a couple of these orphan care ministries. They're all Christian-based ministries that help um, really to be God's hands and feet to caring for orphans right now around the world. Love Without Boundaries, for instance. Let me read a description from their website. They say, Love Without Boundaries provides hope and healing to orphaned and vulnerable children and their underserved communities through its education, nutrition, medical, and foster care programs. Forever Families particularly partners with their Chinese ministry that, that specializes in providing medical care for children who are in need, especially surgeries that are vital for the children just to survive or to have a chance of thriving for the future. It enables these children to get that necessary medical um, uh, attention so that they have a chance of doing well later in life. That's what Love Without Boundaries does, and that's one of the ministries that we support through Forever Families. Strong Families as well um, is a ministry out of Ethiopia. Strong Families operates a care center. It's not an orphanage. It's basically like daycare for children so that their mothers can keep working. Because one of the main causes of orphans in African countries like Ethiopia is not only when the parents die, but also when the parents are living in deep poverty and not able to provide for the basic needs of their children. And so that's when children go into orphanages. And so Strong Families works to keep these families together and to enable the, the parents, usually moms, because the dads are frequently who knows where, help the moms be able to work to support the family, to empower them to be self-sustaining, to, to point them to Jesus and really to thrive rather than breaking the family apart. So God is a father to the fatherless through the efforts of his people. And as we zoom out to the rest of Scripture, we also see that God is a father to the fatherless through Jesus. Because we all were spiritual orphans. God created us to be in an intimate relationship with him, but we all, through our sin, have turned away from him. And we're wandering. We are not um, in our natural state. We are not a part of God's family. Instead, we become part of God's family through Jesus. 
I want to pull our attention to a verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when, you were, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It says in verse 8, God demonstrates his unlove for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear God's heart here? It's really that same heart that, that he demonstrates when he says he's a father to the fatherless. Because here it says, while we were still powerless, Christ died for us. We were not able to help ourselves. We were vulnerable. We were weak. And God came and rescued us through Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay the death penalty we deserve for our sins. He saw that we were weak, helpless, vulnerable, so he sent Jesus. And what happens through that, let me read John 1.12, says that if anyone receives Christ, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So no one is naturally a child of God, spiritually speaking. Instead, we become children of God when we come to faith in Jesus. That is when we are adopted into God's family. And I'm not just making up this adoption language. It's a common metaphor throughout the New Testament. For instance, Galatians chapter 4 says that God sent his son into the world that we might receive adoption to sonship. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the, the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And so through faith in Jesus, we have the privilege of being adopted into God's family. So God is a father through the fatherless, not only through the work of his people in the world around us, but also he's a father through the fatherless by adopting us into his family through Jesus. And as we are his sons and his daughters through faith in Jesus, we are called then to embody his heart for orphan care and for adoption to the world around us. That's why over in James chapter 1 verse 27, it says that religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You hear that same heart that was in Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless, a defender of, of widows. It's that same heart that we are called to embody, that we are called to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And as we do so, especially through adoption, we are illustrating the gospel. Adoption illustrates the gospel. Because when someone adopts a child in their family, they are, they're providing a visual aid for what God does for us through Jesus. Because they're taking a child who is vulnerable, who is weak, who is in a, unable to help themselves, and they're bringing that child into a loving family so that then they have that new family and a new identity. They experience love and hope and a future. And that is exactly what God gives us the ability to have through Christ, being adopted into God's family where we, receive, where we receive a new identity and love and hope in the future. Adoption illustrates the gospel. Now, throughout the month of November, we are going through a sermon series called Thanks Living. And as we think about this idea of cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness, we have to recognize that the biggest blessing we can ever receive is being adopted into God's family being called sons or daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that means that whatever else we are facing in our lives, we ought to be thankful. Thankful that we are loved by God. Thankful that we are never alone when God is our Father. 
Thankful that through faith in Jesus, we really are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And thankful that we have a Heavenly Father who welcomes us in His presence and who will never leave us and never forsake us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves to be a father to the fatherless. That even though you are powerful, even though you are the creator and the sovereign sustainer of this entire universe, that you don't lose sight of those who are vulnerable and weak. We thank you that you did not cast us off when we rebelled against you. We recognize that, that when we are spiritual orphans, it's because of what we have done through our sin. But we thank you that you did not run away from, from our need, but instead ran towards it through Jesus. You sent Jesus to this world to pay the death penalty we deserve for our sins so then we could be welcomed into your family as full sons and daughters. We thank you for that incredible privilege. And Lord, I pray that you will help us each to live grateful lives for that privilege of being your children and then to embody your heart for adoption and orphan care to the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.